Hey friends, it's Kelsey Kemp, here to inspire and guide you as you answer the call. Tune in each week to hear me illuminate the biblical truth of what a calling actually is and how to find yours so you could create a career worthy of hearing, well done, good and faithful servant. You won't just be hearing from me though. Some of the most incredible and purposeful people I know will be joining me to tell you their story of how God called them into careers that honor who they were made to be. So their work is now creating generations of ripple effects for the glory of God. Y'all ready? Okay, let's go. Oh, wow. I cannot believe it's December. December? Wow, that would be surprising if it were December. I was going to say, I can't believe it's September. And I hope that you had a wonderful Labor Day weekend. And uh, I just got back from Alaska, actually. Kirsten, as you know, my twin sister, uh, she actually got invited to speak and teach ballet at a local dance studio on Kodiak Island, Alaska, which to be honest, I didn't really know existed or anything about it, but I got to tag along and that was just the highlight of my August. To give you a little context, I actually teared up a little bit when we left, which has not happened, honestly, since I stepped off a nine-day Mediterranean cruise whenever I was 13 years old. So it just ended up being such a delight and I would recommend Alaska if any of you guys are thinking about it. (laughs) Anyways, Today, you get the absolute pleasure of listening to my conversation with my dear friend, Bendu Thoda, or should I say Dr. Bendu Thoda, as she is now a general surgery resident in Oakland, California. Uh, And I'm so excited for you guys to hear this because, I mean, it's, it's obviously been long awaited and I could not keep from talking about it before this was even released. I think I've mentioned it on Uh, the episodes that have aired in the few weeks since we've recorded this, and I've mentioned it on Instagram, because I just cannot wait for this to get out, Um, because I think her story is so unique for a few reasons that I'll explain. Uh, So she got called her, actually, to the grueling field of medicine and missions in the Middle East. Um, And despite that really, really valiant Christ-centered desire to move to the West Bank of um, in the Palestinian territory of Israel to serve and minister amidst the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, specifically as an OBGYN was her dream. Um, That actually didn't happen. God kept on telling her, despite her feeling so called to that specific mission, that there's no plan B. It didn't work out, but she ultimately found out she just didn't understand what plan A was in the first place. And as I got to witness this season of those righteous dreams getting dismantled just as her friend and catching up, she said something that has stayed present in my mind ever since. It's just, it shook me, really. She said, God cares more about our sanctification than even our righteous dreams. And so she didn't mention that in this episode, but it just kept on ringing in my head throughout it that this theme is even whenever we have such righteous dreams to serve the Lord in a certain way, God's plans are supreme and that his desire is for us 
to, um, he works everything so that we may know him and grow in him more and more. And oftentimes the way that happens, it just looks different than the way that we plan or logic out in our brain does as, Lord, you need me to serve you in this way. It just doesn't work that way. And so in Bindu's story, you'll hear how the Lord redirected her path to still serve through uh, the bridge of medicine. Um, and hopefully one day she'll get to go back to Bethlehem, but we'll see. I'll just have to listen to her story here. Um, and another reason why I think Bendu's story is so unique is that she now experiences, you'll hear her say, more joy than ever in her life, despite working 80-hour work weeks. Uh, and she recorded this episode with me after I think it was 21 days straight of working. She's worked uh, 27 hours straight in a row. Um, She deals with a lot of death, a lot of suffering, um, a lot of shock and trauma as she's in one of the uh, hospitals that is in one of the most violent areas in our nation. And that that just is completely contradictory to what the world tells us. How could she be experiencing more joy than ever? How can she say with conviction, there's no greater joy, no greater honor, and nothing I would rather be doing with my life? Whenever her her situation, her circumstances are not the health, wealth, and happiness and prosperity that the world tries to draw us in with, uh, that's just such a core pillar to why I think I, I'm so glad that her story gets to be shared here. And so stick around to the end. Honestly, the audio quality is not the best, but I promise you'll get used to it and it's so worth sticking through. So another thing I wanted to mention before we get on into the interview is that I actually started off, you'll hear, we're talking about this epic update monthly um, or monthly update that Bendu sends out to a bunch of her friends, including me, every single month. And I am giddy whenever I see that uh, she emails every month. It is so amazing and community building to hear earnestly what's been on her heart, what she's been struggling with, what she wants prayer for, and the growth she's experienced and the encouragement that I get from that. It's just so, it's so strong. And so I actually am inspired to start the same thing. And so uh, in the show notes for this episode or the details, uh, whatever you call it, of this episode, you'll have a chance to um, sign up for my email list. And I'm going to start sending out monthly reflections because I really want to connect with you guys and give you my honest personal reflections for the month. And I just want to share the main thoughts, initiatives, and milestones that we've crossed in the called career community, if I could call it that. Um, But I also want to share the main thoughts and growth points I've been processing in my own personal life, my own personal faith in the hopes that it it encourages you and your faith as well. And my dream is that you would reply with your personal updates and your prayer requests for the month so that we could get to know each other and really build up an earnest community of believers that are on a mission and um, 
deeply going after finding and following their calling. So if you sign up before, if you happen to hear this and sign up before Wednesday evening, what is that, uh, September 4th, um, then you'll get the August Reflections letter. Um, but of course, you could always message me if you want me to send it to you at a later time or um, just wait for next month's reflection. So anyways, that's something I was very inspired to do uh, after seeing Benji's example and having us uh, talk about it more in this episode. But um, I won't keep you from that any longer. So enjoy this interview with my dear friend, Bendu Boda. Bendu, <laughs> thank you so, so much for coming. I, how many days did you work in a row before arriving to today in which we could talk? We are at uh, day 19. Day 19. And uh, for the pleasure of those listening and context, give us a little like 15 second blurb of what you do, where you at, who you are. Yes. So I am in Oakland, California right now. I am a general surgery preliminary resident at UCSF East Bay. Um, and I work at a hospital, uh, the main hospital we work at is called Highland Hospital, which is one of the county hospitals and safety net hospitals for the people of Oakland. So and, uh, it is a super, super rowdy hospital. Super rowdy. The rowdiest hospital. So. In all the world. And uh, since you send out this legendary monthly update to how many of your closest friends, which would all probably genuinely call you one of your closest friends but it's probably like 50 or 60 people on that email list right yeah and basically anyone who's breathed and has like interacted with me I like I so what I do is what Kelsey's talking about is I send uh just because I'm in this completely different state from most of my normal community so the best way and because of just how the schedule is incredibly bizarre I send these monthly update emails of just like what's going on and like how the how one could pray for me but also like the caveat is you have to send me three <laughs> updates and three prayer requests um and i just sent a very threatening email today uh, to my friends that if they don't send me three updates and three prayer requests i'm deleting them from the email thread uh which i, think I was much afraid i was like oh my God, so what i am i am rushing to send you those updates right now <laughs> and can you please let us know also how you signed off on that email so loyally and dramatically and who thought okay i figured that was like the greatest way to give a little introduction of my dear friend bindu uh you are delightfully real delightfully cut to the core with what is meaningful and a girl on a mission which i'm very excited to get into your story because from the first time that we talked which we met over the phone lols mm -hmm. <laughs> uh we i was just so captivated with your story and how relentless you are about following jesus and not any sort of stereotypical way it's wherever he leads which for you is a very intense 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 path so we figured since you really can point at shoot and make an interesting helpful captivating story and lesson out of any little microcosm of your life we are going to start at 
whenever you entered college at Texas A&M, where we both went. How did you end up going to that school? So I think there is multiple mini stories in the big story. Um, So I will say a lot in this. So that's another story for another time. And so how I ended up at Texas A&M is a 30-minute story. Um, But to summarize, I applied to 19 colleges in Texas A&M with my 19th choice. Um, I had no intentions of being an Aggie, nor did I understand what that even meant. But the reason I applied was there was an opportunity that if I went to Texas A&M, I'd have automatic acceptance to the medical school um, for just due to the program that I had applied to specifically. And um, that's how I, even with that offer, it was still my 19th choice. But in a very dramatic series of events, the Lord made it very clear um, on my birthday, which is the day I interviewed at the medical school, um, that I was going to Texas A&M. And, um, I started at A&M as a philosophy major, but pre-med, um, and I loved philosophy, but then I realized that this program that I got me to A&M, I knew it was what got me there, but I didn't think it was actually what was going to get me through A&M. Uh, I had a feeling that I would switch majors and end up not going to medical school. And uh, so I switched my major to business and was still pre-med and just kind of ignored the fact that I never wanted to do medicine. And then the summer before my senior year of college, um, I accidentally ended up uh, in the Middle East, (laughs) which is, again, another story. (laughs) One accidentally does. Um, I thought I was studying at a Bible college in Israel and I misread the program description and the entire program was in the West Bank um, in the Palestinian territories and uh, the program was not a Christian program it was a a secular program that was trying to teach the people who were on the program uh, more about the Palestinian-Israeli conflict and so I was living in Bethlehem um, which is in the West Bank and I was learning Arabic, um, living with a Palestinian family and working at a coffee shop. And this was the summer of 2014. Um, and that summer was when uh, there was kidnappings of three Israeli teenagers in the West Bank that led to a war between Israel and Palestine. And um, I just was there for kind of the start of the war and then I left. Um, but that kind of changed everything. Uh, significantly for me. Up until that point, I knew that I had a heart for the gospel going to the nations and that for all to know who Jesus was. Um, because I believe, I objectively, you know, believe that Jesus is 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 king and he is God. And, and so if I, I believe that to be absolute truth, like how much would I hate someone for them to not know that truth? And so um, I knew the Lord was leading me towards probably overseas work in some capacity, and I assumed it was going to be through medicine. And after that experience in the West Bank, I knew that was where I wanted to end up long-term and serve. Um, But I came back to my senior year uh, at Texas A&M and had to start applying for um, medical school, which in my case meant I just had to apply to Texas A&M's medical school. And I did, um, but there was just a lot of restlessness. And the day I got the acceptance to A&M's medical school, I called my parents and told them I did not want to go. 
Um, and it just kind of piled up in that moment that I, I really did not want to go into medicine at all. Um, and my parents are very Indian. I think, I mean, based on my name, maybe you could have assumed that, but uh, <laughs> my parents are very Indian and they drove five hours uh, from Wichita Falls, Texas to College Station, Texas for an intervention. And that led to a very tumultuous two months um, in college because uh, my parents were pressuring me to go to medical school and I did not want to do that. And I was a business major, so I had another option. And the best advice I was ever given, and I, I would say it's probably the top five advice I was ever given in my life, was through my mentor's husband, who um, was just a brilliant man. He um, loves Jesus a lot, but he's also like, he was a chief information officer for the A&M system. And so he was just, he had, he had done the corporate world. And I had, I told him, I was like, look, like I am for sure. I want to serve in some capacity in the Middle East. Um, but I just don't know if I want to do medicine. Um, and he just, he made a point and he said, you going as a 21 year old girl to the Middle East is absolutely useless get a skill get a skill yeah. ah. and like then go back I mean it's like whether that's in consulting and business or is it through medicine or whatever you know skill that is like get a skill and then go back and serve and I was like okay that makes sense so I had two paths and both just honestly seemed like total trash like I did I oh. I started applying for these consulting jobs and I remember I got an interview a uh, phone interview for a company and I was in the gas station parking lot and I just answered it and I was like oh uh <laughs> like just did the entire interview in the backseat of my car and I was and I to this day do not know what technology consulting is or like I don't know what consulting is that was literally my major at Texas A&M and I don't I do not know what consulting is and so my parents were still just they were they were they were very much pressuring me and, and it was almost like either if I did not choose medicine, I was going to lose my family. And so there was, oh, that's uh, not a light sentence. To yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it was a terrible season. Um, and I, I just kept on crying to the Lord. I was like, Lord, what do you want me to do? Um, I, because both options honestly seemed terrible and, uh, and I just asked the Lord, I was like, I will, I will genuinely do whatever you ask me to do. I just need you to tell me because I feel like I'm going to lose on both paths. Um, and there was just one day in, in that year, in December of that year, where I was just driving. And the Lord just said it. He was like, go to medical school. And I was like, okay, and we'll do it. And um, I assume... I ask you a question about that moment? Because moments... Yeah those are what seems so storybook-like um, yeah. and so mysterious. Would you mind explaining what that experience was like? Yeah. Was audible, what it, was it more of a, a conviction, an idea that was so strong you can't ignore it? Like, how I, did you know it yeah. was God and not God. you? Yeah, that's been a very much a very consistent question about that experience and like most experiences. Like, how did I know it was like Palestine and like that I'm supposed to serve there? How did I have peace? And I think ultimately it was um, the, the I was having a conversation with the Lord and it was very much just driving and having this conversation. And it's the conversation kind of started of 
in the in the lines of have I withheld anything from you? And the answer is just no. He's never withheld anything from me, and he's never led me into places I've not needed to be. And so, in that regard, I think there was just so much fear about going into medical school because I knew the biggest reason the fear was was because my skills do not align with medicine. So my only, probably the most science-y related class I took in Texas A&M was anatomy and physiology, and I got a C. Like, <laughs> I did not understand. I, like, hated science. Like, OCHEM gave me anxiety, which OCHEM is, like, so irrelevant, but maybe someone listening is like, no, it's not. But I was just like, this is such a trash subject. Like, I hate Um and so there's a fear because I was just like there, like everything we taught, we were taught at Texas A&M was like, do what you're passionate about and do what you're good at um, and do the things you love. And uh, all three of those statements was not how I would describe medicine. And so, but then it was just like, I think, I think the best way to describe it, it was just this overwhelming peace. And it was just like move forward in this. Um, in my I don't know if that answers it well. No, it there wasn't a, there wasn't an audible voice at all, but it was just like I think the best way was just like yeah, there was just this peace and it was just like move forward. Yeah. Um I've experienced the same thing um and I appreciate you explaining that just because I find we glaze over sentences like that, statements like that where yeah, someone's describing like I know from God and I mean mm-hmm. this is a sidebar that I won't go into but um, I've been, and I'm sure many others have been kind of stung by people oh, proclaiming sure. things yeah. like that, especially whenever it's not a personal revelation, like it's advice to others. Uh, oh, yeah. But, um, yeah. I, I experienced the same thing in moments where I would say, God, uh, I feel was speaking to me. And similarly with other people, friends of ours, mutual friends who have been on this podcast, they explain it as overwhelming peace as, um, and for me, it was like just all of these instructions at once that I didn't know could have come from anywhere else. It was anyways, not to get into my story, but um, I appreciate that. That that is like, I think a separate side conversation that needs to be had though about um, how do we know like it is actually the Lord speaking and not just our like minds telling us something and us like following that because that is is such a dangerous place. Mm -hmm. Um, And that I think that wisdom can only come from being in the scriptures and like actually having communion with the Lord um, and having a very normal everyday conversations with him to be able to realize that's him versus that's mm. your own mind yes um but uh the biggest thing when I, I decided at that point I called the medical school and I said I, I was coming um the, the irony of that whole situation is the day I got accepted and the day I called my parents and told them I didn't want to go I actually drove to the medical school and talked to the person that was the coordinator of that program that I got accepted to out of high school and I told her my concerns. And ironically enough, she said, take a year off and we'll hold your spot. Um, so the medical school was actually very supportive about me, about my state of confusion. Uh, my Indian parents were not. <laughs> <laughs> they were not confused. They, they were, were not, not holding back on you. They were like, no, no, no. I know what's best. You will do this. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And they, and there's this fine line. I also was struggling, like, you know, scripture says, like, be, stay obedient to your parents. But I also had to, like, read the same scripture that Christ said, like, you know, you, you follow me over your parents as well. Yes. And so I had, I had this constant conversation with the Lord is like, what are you asking? Like, do you want me to be obedient to them? Or are you asking me to do something that means I would lose them? And that was, that was difficult. And I needed him to speak clearly about that. Um, but my parents felt a ton of guilt. Um, they thought I ended up choosing medical school for them and they felt a lot of guilt about that too. And, and there was one day I sat with them and I had to tell them, I was like, look, like I, you, you don't, you don't need to hold any guilt. Like the reason why I ended up deciding to go to medical school, school is like, I clearly heard the Lord say it, but I need you to understand the end goal is for me to end up in the Middle East. Um, and they said, you know, like things are going to change which is a valid thing for them to say because I was 21 to going into 22 in like college at Texas A&M. I'm like, you know, I did, I actively decided not to do the same thing for more than a year um, because I had those four years to kind of like do whatever I wanted. And so um, they saw me just constantly changing for obvious reasons. And so their base is like, oh, she's like, she literally was in the Middle East when a war broke out. That was an emotional experience. Like, she'll get over it in a couple of years. And I was, I told them, I was like, you know, you have every right to pray against it. You have every right to believe that. But, like, we can only make decisions on what we know today. And today I know this is what the Lord is leading. And so I just want you to know you don't have to feel guilt. Anyway, so I go to medical school. Uh, and to summarize the four years of medical school, uh, it sucked. <laughs> like it sucked. Um well, actually I should summarize the first two years of med school. Um so the Lord says go and I get to med school and then my assumption was um he was gonna make it easy. Not easy, but just like make me get through it pretty smoothly. And the very first block of medical school I failed by point one three of a point. And That's I was like real. That is not Yeah, real. it's like not, it was so not real that I literally was just like, okay, look, I asked Lord, I was like, Lord, do something with this. Like, this is just such a joke to fail like this. Um, and it, he did. And that was actually the significant part is that ended up being a very significant moment for my medical school class because I was in a leadership, medical school is a lot like high school. Like you have your small little class and you have like your student council. And I was like our class vice president and I throw our high, our like med school prom at the end of the year. Like it's just like actually doesn't seem real, but I was our vice president. And so because I had failed, I was on academic probation and you can't be in this leadership position and be an academic probation. And so I had to talk to the deans and they were like, Hey, you need to step down, but just like tell your classmates, like you just couldn't handle the position with, you know, medical school. And I was like, that's not true. I went to Texas A&M. <laughs> your whole job at A&M was to be in 10 clubs yeah. and like manage school. Uh, I was like, the truth is I failed. Um, and I need to step down because of that. And so I emailed the class and I was just like, hey, like um, we need to reelect someone. Um, uh, if you're on team remediation, like know that you have support in me and you have support in your classmates. And I just signed off with John 330 and sent that email and then left the school immediately um and then the response back from that was just super wonderful and my classmates just like started emailing pretty quickly and then someone had posted on, one of my good friends had posted on our facebook wall and he was like to do i had a lot of respect in you before 
but I have so much more respect for you now. Thank you for doing that. Um, and so what it had did was just opened up conversations that we were not all okay. Um, and we were struggling. And uh, even it was really we were, uncommon to especially speak about grades right? Yeah, it was difficult. No one spoke about grades and you're just in professional school and no one's just like talking about that they were struggling. And even if you could be the smartest person in class, like anxiety does not discriminate. Like, and so people were, the first year of school was just hard. Some people were thriving, of course, but um, most people are not (laughs) thriving. Um, Like suicide rate in medicine is quite high. And so, um, it just opened up a conversation that was important and it just like allowed for a lot of vulnerability in the class. And so the Lord did use a 0.13 point of a failure for his glory. Um, but every day of those first two years of med school, I could not stop thinking about the Middle East and I could not, I just was lamenting that I at the age of 21, I had a pretty clear vision of what the, what the Lord was wanting of me. But by accepting going to medical school, it meant a possible delay of a decade or more just because of the amount of training we have to go through. And so um, the first two years, I just was truly like everyday lamenting. And my two best friends in medical school could attest to how much I just talked about Palestine and how much I wanted to go back. Um, and the Lord was just gracious. The end of my second year of med school, the medical school actually allowed me to go back to Palestine and let it count as medical foreign language. <laughs> and I literally, what I did, sorry, deans, I literally just Google translated Arabic medical words and like sent it as an assignment, but it just meant I got to go to Palestine for a month. Um, and so I went to Palestine and I had a prayer, um, and the prayer that I asked my friends to pray over me was that when I come back I'd be okay uh, because it had just been three years and this is all I've been thinking about and so I went back to Bethlehem with a specific purpose of better um, to count the cost of what I've been saying for three years so I've been saying for three years like oh I'm going to medical school to serve as a physician in, in, in this in the Holy Land and what does that actually mean I was there when I was 21 and a war broke out and it was like a super emotional you know, time. So I go back and I go back to Bethlehem and my Palestinian host mom from three years ago, I lived with them again. She was actually a nursing professor. And so she set me up to be able to rotate at a pediatric hospital and an OBGYN hospital in Bethlehem. And so the very first time I ever saw a baby being delivered was in Bethlehem. And it just like life made sense. Like I was, there was no war. It wasn't as dramatic. And, and I just got to just kind of see what life would look like to live there and to serve there. Um, and I was like, man, I want to do women's health. Like if I'm going to be in a Muslim context world where um, I can really only serve women, like why not choose a specialty where like all my patients are women? And so OBGYN made sense. I, the first time I ever saw surgery was in that hospital and I loved being in the OR. So everything was just pointing towards, okay, you should be an OBGYN. And so I left um, on a Friday, or I came back to the United States on a Friday, and I started my third year of medical school on a Monday. And the first day of third year of medical school was my surgery rotation. And I just remember for the first time in two years, the Lord just overwhelmed me with contentment. And he just, I just, said out loud to my friends I was like if he says I can't go back for 20 or 30 years I think I will be okay 
and it, they were just I was confused by it and I was and it was because it seems like such an untangible prayer request to ask for contentment and him to give it and he did and I was just like I'm okay like I I just realized I think on that second trip to Bethlehem that like it was so imperative to really have a skill like I'm bopping around the Middle East with mm. really no way to help <laughs> until I like finish medical school and finish residency um and I don't know Arabic so I'm really kind of useless and um I wanted to be useful and so came back to third year of med school first that rotation was surgery fell in love with surgery enjoyed surgery a lot and sur- enjoying my surgery rotation kind of affirmed OBGYN because OBGYN was a surgical specialty so um move forward in that and I fourth year of med school comes around I apply for OBGYN residencies and that's when we kind of meet in February of that year, of last year, um, when I was in the middle of applying for residencies for OBGYN. Um, and the Lord was kind of preparing me that things could possibly go south. Um, and I don't know why. I think there's almost an anticipatory aspect of my life where I'm just like, this is just going to be dramatic. Like something, <laughs> this is it. Like, Do you like think no, that I, before you write emails, this is just going to be dramatic. So buckle up. <laughs> like, I picture it I, on the macro and the micro level in your life. Yeah, I think there's like days like uh, in my emails that Kelsey got this morning. Uh, it was just funny writing that email because I'm just like, it's unreal. Like this, like in the moment, you don't think it's dramatic. And then you like hindsight, you're like, that's too much for a day. Um, but I, I, something the Lord kept saying in the, in the waiting period of hearing back on. So in, in medical school, we have this thing called match day, which is the day you hear. It, it's literally bid day. It's such a joke that the <laughs> resident matching for residency is the same way someone gets recruited for a sorority. You go interview, you have a prep list, they prep you, you prep them. And then the algorithm decides where you're going to spend like, you know, four to seven years of your life training for a specialty. It's the most absurd thing. And so I assumed I was going to be an OBGYN training in the DC area um, because of just uh, my experiences that, that in the previous months being up in the DC area, doing a couple of OB rotations and then in the rotations going well. Um, but I was training for a marathon to run the day after uh, match day, or sorry, rewind. So match day was on March 15th and the following week after match day, I was actually flying to Palestine to run a marathon, which would be very symbolic of the whole experience. And so uh, whenever you initially, we were on the phone and you were like, I'm doing a marathon. I was like, figuratively or literally <laughs> no literally yeah. um and I think I the timing of the training was important because the training period for that marathon was during this waiting period and so there was a lot of like the Lord speaking to me through those long runs and there was just one run um I just the Lord kept saying there's no plan b and I think because there was a lot of doubt that I possibly could not match and if you don't match for residency, you go through this whole process called scramble. And there, there's so many nuances to this process. And I could take like an hour or two hours explaining how this all works. But just understand that if you don't have a, a bid or a match 
on that stay, you're kind of at a loss of like what you're doing the rest of your life, um, which is pretty bizarre. You can, you can go to school for 26 years and then not have a job at the end of it and not know what you're going to be. Um, but so there was like this anticipation that I possibly could not match. And the deans were asking me like, if you don't match, like what's your plan B? And I was like, I, I don't know. And I just kept hearing the Lord say, there's no plan B. There's no plan B. Just keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. And uh, the day, so match day is on a Friday. And Monday is, so match day is the day you hear where you're going for residency. The Monday prior to match day, it's you hear if you matched. And you get an email and it basically says, yes, you matched or no, you didn't match. And if you don't match, you go through this whole process called scramble, which is exactly what it sounds like. And so the morning of that, that Monday morning, I got an email and it said, you did not match. And I looked at my two best friends and I was like, okay, let's go. And we have to drive to our main campus in Temple, Texas. And it's not even worth describing what happened that week, but basically it was a five day crap show. Um, and long story short, if I did not get an offer from a program, then I was not going to go run this marathon. And um, I really wanted to go to Bethlehem and run this marathon for a lot of different reasons. Um, obviously, it's not important to go run a marathon. It's more important was for me to get a job, but there's just a lot of like emotional ties to the whole situation. Um, so basically, when I got that email on that Monday, I, that, that meant I was not going to be an OBGYN the next year. Um, and what happens in this situation is there are these spots called general surgery preliminary spots. And what that means is it's a one-year contract at a program. Um, and so you're, you, are, you are a resident, you are a doctor, you are a practicing doctor as a as a resident physician, but it's only a one-year contract. So you don't have job security after that, and you will need to apply again. Um, there was no open OBGYN spots in the country, basically. Um, and I go through that scramble week, and no offers pop up. And then the, the day before match day, like 10 of my classmates sat in a, in a conference room and started cold calling every single general surgery program in the country. And it was my roommate's call that got to UCSF East Bay's program director and the program director legitimately texted me and he was like Dr. Soda do you have a spot yet and I was like no sir and this is 5 30 p.m on a Thursday I was I got his text while I was in a friend's uh, apartment parking lot I got in the back seat of my call a car I talked to him for 15 minutes and then I signed a contract for a job and it was the most arbitrary process to like one of the most absurd absurd things and so that day I was just like okay moving to Oakland California mind you I did not know about the city of Oakland I did not know anything about Oakland California I did not know it existed I I don't clearly based off my whole Palestine situation like I just don't understand geography so I just like didn't know Oakland was a thing um Anyway, I flew the following day to Palestine after I got that call and I ran that marathon and I've never, I mean, it was just so symbolic, <laughs> just what just happened. Anyway, so the plan after that was, okay, um, 
all right, I'm going to Oakland for a year. I still want to be an OBGYN in the Middle East. So I'm going to go to Oakland for one year and then reapply for OBGYN residencies during my time in Oakland. Um, and then there's the timing of the medical school schedule. My Usually you try to make your schedule for medical school so that you have vacation your last month of your fourth year. And I ended up having a mandatory shock trauma ICU rotation. So like you, I wasn't allowed to have senioritis. Um, and so I go into the shock trauma rotation and the first day they want to know your name and where are you going for residency and what are you doing? They don't want to hear this whole drama that I went through. So I tell them I'm Bindu. I am going to UCSF East Bay in Oakland, California, and I'm going to general surgery. So trauma surgeons are all general surgeons um, that do a, a fellowship and like maybe a one to two year fellowship after general surgery um so they look at me and they're like oh she's one of us and so they kind of just take me under and it was incredible like shock i during that month and shock trauma i just like saw literally people come from dead to life like it was insane um but there was just one of my last weeks there um we just had a patient that 30-year-old woman got in a, a motor vehicle crash and long story short so that I don't violate HIPAA um, she uh, died um, and I was in her surgery and it was just insane she she passed away and we had to call her husband and her two sons with autism and you know no one they did not walk out of their home that day thinking that they were the, that he was going to be a widow and these sons were going to lose their mom. And I just saw the trauma doctor just kind of navigate that whole situation. And I was just like, and just like kind of seeing, again, rethinking life in the Middle East. Like that has been, been the most constant thing in the last five years is just like knowing that this is the end to be in this area of the world. Um, but it just shifted from like, okay, what if you're not doing women's ministry or women's health in the Middle East? And what if you're just doing trauma there, which is needed? Um, and so I started thinking about that. And basically, long story short, the morning of graduation, I called my, or the morning of my graduation, I was with my family and I told them, um, I am not applying to OBGYN next year and I'm officially applying for general surgery. And so, uh, the significance of God leading me to Oakland is Oakland, California is a very, very strong history of trauma. Um, there's just, it's changed quite a bit. The gun violence has decreased, um, but Oakland is um, just has a history of just notoriously, just a lot, a lot of shootings, um, a lot of, a lot of school shootings. And what I didn't know is um the hospital I was joining would be is one of the most um, important level one trauma centers in the area. And everyone, if you talk to anyone in Oakland, I like will go on Ubers or whatever. I'm like, what's your thoughts on Highland Hospital? Every Oakland citizen will say that is the hospital you go to if you get shot. <laughs> um, and anyway, so life. So it's crazy. The morning of medical school graduation, I am making the decision I'm going to general surgery. But like the, the joke is like that decision had to have needed to be made a year ago. Um, and the Lord just provided in pretty unique ways because my housing situation in 
Oakland is kind of a dream thing. I'm living yeah. with a friend's friend's grandmother's friend. Ends up being um Ben do I literally I put yeah, I like literally put this desperate Facebook post. I was like, Hey, does any family like want another daughter? Oh. <laughs> this friend reached out to her friend who reached out to a grandmother who reached out to another friend and that friend ended up being a woman named Angela Silver who um is a Filipino woman who is married to a Jewish man named David Silver, um, who is also the director of education in Oakland. And they have a Julipino son named Jonah, and they have a beautiful uh, Cambodian daughter named Addie. And we are this one happy family in living on living in Oakland. And so they have changed my life and um, just been such a source of joy in my time in Oakland and all that to say um yeah so here I am in Oakland right now and I am sending these email updates to Kelsey of just all the stories of what God is doing um and the Lord is just so faithful um I have never yeah it is such an honor to serve these patients and I can't I think I can never reiterate that as much as just like this hospital um in just the way they they take in everyone and just the um it is a safety net it is a safety net it's truly a safe haven for so many patients who don't have insurance or who are illegal immigrants or whatever the case may be and um I have just seen a lot and I have, and I have processed a lot with these patients and it has just been an honor. It has been the greatest honor of my life to be here. And so it was just like five years ago, um, actually maybe I would say eight or nine years ago when I started and I never saw this coming. Um, but I'm just like grateful for this. So it's a long story. <laughs> no, I thought for all that you could have gone into, it was beautifully summarized. And I want to know, Going back to the statement that you kept on hearing over and over and over again from God, there is no plan B. When did that click have meaning and start to make sense? Yeah, that's a good question because um, I, I think it was by the end of that, that Monday I heard I didn't match, that Friday, that Thursday night I found out I was going to Oakland. Um, it was in that moment yeah, there's a lot I kind of left out. Um, I didn't leave out the morning season. Like, I didn't just, like, pop out of, like, pop back out of that. I'm just like, wow, life's great. Like, <laughs> no. I had to dismantle so um, many dreams. I mean, I had built a life in D.C., and I had built, I just assumed, like, the Lord was leading in that direction. And um, after I came back from Palestine, I was pretty numb for a week and I stopped feeling and I was angry um, and I just was kind of shocked by everything it just kind of hit like a like a truck um, and then I literally listened to a sermon that was called Faith Versus Feelings by Jim Simla and the Brooklyn Tabernacle and basically the summary of the sermon is like greatest enemy to our faith is our feelings and uh, we can we can say God's not near and we can be like oh I don't feel God I don't feel like he's here I don't feel like he's present but like objectively just read scripture he's there like he is here I mean he is working in this situation and I I just was so quick to forget his sovereignty like five years prior um, and leading to where he was at and I at the end of the week I just was like 
get up and move forward in this and move forward in what the Lord has for you. And, and it was in, it was, it was probably by the end of that week, but it was really at the end of that morning season of a solid week. <laughs> um, I just was like, there is no plan B, but you misunderstood plan A completely. And it, and it wasn't uh, like, you had every reason to believe what what you thought plan A was to be. Like, it made sense. Like, OBGYN absolutely made sense. Like, um, and every, in, in the my thoughts when I was moving to D.C., all of that made sense. Because the Lord had guided every everything. Like, he allowed me to have, a, like, working at OBGYN also in Boston. He allowed me to have these 10 weeks of beautiful experiences in D.C. Like, and there those were all given by the lord and so there was a reason why i was like oh this makes sense this is plan a but then he was just like it's not um and so it's like realizing like god uh god is not confused um he knew exactly what he was doing he just kind of let me and i and i'm the first person to be like um how i think i did strength quest my freshman year of college and my strength my first strength was like connectedness and so that interprets as every single experience or every single interaction, I believe there's a reason to it. And so it's a very fun way to live because I, you know, everything happens for a reason and it's, it's super fun to see life in that way. Um, so I'm then start like interpreting, like after all of this played out, I was like, why, um, why did you let those experiences happen? Why did you let me fall in love with this idea of, what life could be and then the Lord has just been teaching me like it's okay to have seasons and like there was a purpose to that season uh, it may have not meant that season may have not led to your ultimate destination but like that season had a lot of significance and you need to think exactly like what I did through that time and the people I allowed you to meet during that time and so um I don't know if that answered the question but it did. yeah thank you for that and um, I'm thinking of this whole plan A, plan B kind of narrative. It seemed to me, yeah. in my own words, you let me know how you might change this, that it just represents that you being in what you would have formerly, formerly considered a plan B. Like, I'm not supposed to be a general surgeon. I'm supposed to be an OBGYN. This is a hiccup. And I'm waiting for God to deliver me back to my track. Yeah. You're not taking it that yeah. way. It's just, no. I must have misunderstood what God wanted all along. But also this posture of I am living in God's plan. As mm -hmm. I'm, I don't say that lightly as if people are always doing that. I think that yeah. we frequently discuss theology in a way that it's implied in a way that's untrue. But yeah. what I mean is you being a follower of Christ, submitting to the Lord's will every day and having a prayerful and, and studious relationship with him through prayer and reading of the word can rest in following and living out God's plan every day. Yeah. And so you exactly. can trust not with your own imagination that you're making meaning out of your season in general surgery, which has now turned into the trajectory of a whole career, really, it yeah. seems like. Um, 
it, the meaning isn't from your own imagination. It's actually yeah. from a meaningful relationship with the Lord in which he's informing, here's why. Um, and also it, what you said kind of harkens back to, well, I haven't used that word in forever. Is that like the right word to use that? I don't know. Uh, that's like very old English of me. <laughs> but it makes me think back to whenever you said towards the beginning, hey, it's understandable. We can only make decisions off of what we know today. Yeah. Yeah. And so... I think that is such a powerful statement to make to lay the foundation for our attitudes towards how we see our calling because you had an informed view of what you thought your unique calling was to go be an OBGYN in Palestine. Some of those elements are still the same, but the OBGYN thing is not. Um, But you thought that was your path forward because that's the data points that you had collected all pointed to that. And exactly, so I think yeah. it's this, Hey, it's okay to think that that is your calling, but like, just have the, the grain of salt always there that it could change and have your hands Absolutely. open. And um, maybe that just, what do you think about speaking with in definitive statements and like certainty yeah the way that we talk about our callings yeah so that's that's such a good point because i think so many i i said a phrase earlier that i want to retract and it was the end goal is the middle east Mm. uh no i'm most likely gonna get blacklisted Um, that's not the end goal like that may be hopefully a season but like I like the second trip to Palestine made me come to terms with a ton of realities which was uh you're not gonna die here um you're you're probably not gonna even have that long of a season here um I think I, I I will agree with what you said of just like and what I had said it's just like you only can make decisions based off what you know but your hands have to be so open and I, there's, you know, our ultimate calling in this life comes down to two things, and that's to enjoy God's grace and relationship with him and to exalt God's glory to the end of the earth. That's ultimately it. So we can talk about all the medicine, surgery, whatever, but it comes down to those two points. And if I was to take away what is one of the biggest reasons why the Lord led me to Oakland, California, is because for the first time in my entire life, I can confidently say my hands are open. And it's like, um, I remember, like when you had asked me to do this podcast like a month ago, I was hesitant because um, I'm reapplying for residency again this year. Mm-hmm. I don't know how March is going to play out. There's a very high probability I may not match again, just statistically because I'm a reapplicant. And so there was a hesitancy of me doing this podcast because I was like, maybe I should just wait till March once like the story like comes to completion and I can tell you where I'm moving to. Um, But then I also realized there would be an accountability to doing this with you now in the sense of like, do I truly believe like the Lord is faithful? Um, And I'm not saying faithfulness is equated to me having a job at the end of the year. It was just like, do I believe that he's running the show? Um, and I think yesterday, and I was as I wrote that email update that you read, um, I talked to my program director on Friday of the the 
UCSF East Bay program because his goal, um, he wants all of his preliminary residents to be able to have a job next year. Um, and I talked to him and he was like, do you have a backup plan? Okay, do you have a plan B? Um, if, you, if you don't, you know, like, do you have a backup specialty? And I said, no, sir, I don't. Um, and I just told him, and, and I think it's just this overwhelming piece. And I told him, I was like, sir, um, there's a good chance I may not match this year. But I just want you to know that Oakland was not a means to an end. Oakland was a necessary season. Um, and it has been the greatest out of my life to serve these patients. Um, and just realizing that it, it was just cool realizing, like, this was enough. Like this, being here, being living with a family, being in this hospital, serving these patients and loving, growing in patience towards to other people and towards nurses and just like treating these people is enough. And if I don't have a job at the end of this, like if I don't match her residency, I'm okay. Because like how fickle could I be to believe like the Lord is not sovereign in all of this? Um, and so like the biggest thing I think it's just, yeah, like every day at church or every sermon at church is like, have you given up all your life to Christ? Like, have you, are you withholding something? And I'm like, I am not, I have nothing. I, and that is, that is, that is enough reason for why I'm in Oakland is for the Lord to get me to that point in my life where I say, I have not withheld anything from the Lord and he has not withheld anything from me. Um, and I think life, like our callings can be simplified into that of just like have you given him everything mm. and are you in a, are you in a position are you in a career that has allowed you to allowed you to be in a place that if he took it away would you be okay and for the first time in my life I can say I am and it's a privilege to do what I do I get to do and get to be training in a hospital that truly has loved this community and uh like david who i live with who's the director of education like taken many students who've been shot to this hospital and so this hospital does mean these school shootings are just a pretty significant um in oakland and so um like this this place this hospital means a lot to the community and it has been such a privilege to be a part of this community in this way and um I'm just taking it one day at a time and I'm just thankful to be here. So. Yeah. Wow. I want to also go back and ask, I didn't want to interrupt you at this point, but I was like, whoa, cue tab bookmark. I have like five <laughs> questions uh, way at the beginning, whenever you were discussing your entrance into the medical field, just like before med school, as you were deciding, you said, the medical field really, or maybe science specifically, I think that's what you said, really does not align with my skills, what I'm good at, at all. And maybe you didn't say at all, because you're a very confident yeah. smart lady. I'm sure that's not the case. But uh, <laughs> what do I even ask? Like, how do we I want to discuss more of your thoughts on that just because where I'm coming from is uh, I often discuss with people um, 
it's funny you actually called this out as something that was kind of broken down in your life but this is something I talk with people a lot about who were you made to be like according to let's look at your attributes your natural talents your spiritual gifts that you were um reborn with whenever you received the gift of the holy spirit um your qualities and your personality strengths and weaknesses um and then what were you what was put on your heart to want to do like what are the lasting enduring passions um and then let's also just look at your interests too which are a lighter topic um, and what's the thing that like breaks your heart? It's so different for so many people, like what prompt really teases that out of them. Um, and so what I'm speaking of is somewhat of a formulaic approach to helping people start to understand what their calling is. Although the base understanding is I'm always encouraging them in faithfulness because there is no calling, only creative imagination and career planning without a caller giving them a path. And it's really based on our conversation. And the whole theme here is a calling is literally just a faithful life where you are leading or you are being led and continually surrendering to the call of the Lord wherever that leads. Um, so somewhere there's a question in all of my, my words that I'm spitting out right now. Uh, what do you think of how we should be thinking about how heavily to weight our skills in mm-hmm. career decisions? And yeah. what happens whenever the Lord's like, scrap those. I have some other purposes and reasons why you should go this way. Yeah. I think, I think for one aspect is I have simplified medicine to just being about anatomy and physiology. And ultimately, like if I just studied a little bit harder, I would have known <laughs> uh, the anatomy of a cat because that's what I failed in college. But, uh, you know, medicine is about like loving uh, people and serving people and, and having to sacrifice um, your wants and your desires for the safety and, and um, health of someone else. And so in that, yes, my skills are there. Uh, like the Lord has designed me in a way that I, I grieve with people very deeply and I, um, and I want to be there through those difficult times. And I also, the reason why I had a feeling that I could go into trauma surgery is that I, I knew I was emotionally capable of dealing with situations like I had seen in, in, in that shock trauma rotation. Um, so there is a, it's not like, like there's just no, uh, like, edu- like education and in medicine and like the science behind the that can be studied and learned. And that's what I'm doing right now because I had spent the last two years studying studying the uterus and now I'm like oh crap like there's the whole rest of the body that I totally ignored because I was just like so focused on delivering babies um but I can learn that I just need to spend time and study that but I think when someone's like what is your calling or how do you know what your calling is it ultimately is summed down to obedience like you I always tell people it's like you do whatever he says and do not waver in that um because even if you do not like it. I think one of the things that I'm so thankful for is the Lord called me, told me to go to medical school and I did it. And it was super miserable the first two years, 
but he was so faithful to give me joy about it by the third year. And it sucked that he waited two years, but it was just so cool that he didn't wait till the end of four years. And so it's like, you can, you can look, it's like half gospel or whatever, but um, that he was faithful to give me a passion for it eventually. Um, and now I can say like, there's nothing I would rather do in this life. Like, absolutely wow. not. Oh um, so that, that so, is ultimately like, um, aside from just taking this as a narrative of through prayer and reflection and faithfulness, I have been led to this point. Actually, it kind of, in a funny way, does tick the boxes, not to sound weird, like I'm trying to prove that the formula works, but I kind of want to, to be honest, I'm not even going to hide that. Uh, (laughs) But (laughs) I think that it maybe was like a miscalculation, as you said, like, yeah skills really do align with this field especially whenever you get into god further down the road uncovering the unique path you would take in medicine of um shock and trauma situations you are someone as you said who's equipped with the skill to handle those incredibly intense emotional situations um, with grace and also extend yourself in compassion and empathy, um, yeah. even in the worst situations that, I mean, I'll just invite the listener to let their imagination run wild as you can't go into the specifics thanks to HIPAA, but I, would, I assure you it's probably like 10 times more graphic than what your imagination can even conjure according to these emails we continue to refer to, <laughs> <laughs> these updates. Um, but it so the medical profession and the specific strain you're in now it really does align with your skills and yeah, it also it now some in some crazy way also aligns with the desire that god put on your heart to serve his creation in a very specific way you now get to this point where after years of just pure grit and being faithful through super unfun, incredibly beyond challenging circumstances, you somehow now still end up at the place where you say, there's nothing I would rather be doing. Yeah. And that is the sweet thing is like, he doesn't um, promise that. And he's just been so gracious to give that of just like, I'm going to allow you to love this finally. Um, And I do love what I, what the Lord has given me to do today. And it's, our, and that's the fun irony of the thing is like I think our we you know we talk about the four idols a Christian and just humanity has which is like comfort power control and approval and um, I don't struggle with approval or comfort normally I think control is one of them but as I said before I don't have a control idol anymore just because like my hands are so open but like I think our, our our human tendency will be towards comfort. And it's like, um, I think we have to recognize that God's calling, I would be bold enough to say should never feel comfortable. Um, And I think I could say that just because like of Luke four and when like the Holy spirit, like what is the verse? Um, Let me look. It was in Luke 4, oh, literally verse 1. <laughs> says, <laughs> That's neat, uh, verse 1. <laughs> verse 1, he was led by the Spirit 
in the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Um, the Holy Spirit led Christ into very, very difficult situations, and it is of expectation he will do the same for us. Um, and so it's like, yeah, I like believe I am the center of God's will, but the center of God's will means um, over 80-hour work weeks and a lot of death and a lot of suffering and a lot of grief. Um, but it's right. It is exactly where I need to be. Um, and so I think that's a big thing is like choose obedience, expect the obedience to be uncomfortable, pray that he brings peace to that obedience. Um, and just know, I don't know, like we were here to serve him. And so just do what he says. <laughs> do what he says. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the God of the universe here. We're not talking about our um, most wonderful success coach, which to my horror, I heard um, that, I mean, in all the like kind of personal development and career coach trainings I've been through, I've heard some pretty interesting theology or lack thereof. <laughs> and he's yeah. not like our genie in a bottle. He's the sovereign Lord of all, who yeah. is also loving beyond our comprehension and is gracious to give every good and perfect gift, as it says in James yeah. 1. <laughs> um, but I, I just think that's so interesting that now I'm reflecting on my journey too, because at first I kind of, I, I feel that one of my idols is to constantly want life to be a dream really mm -hmm. and uh, there's some redeemed part of that uh, I, I want others I, like I think that the Lord has equipped me to be an evangelist of joy in some ways but it, there's two sides of that one coin where I start to idolize it um, and so at first whenever you said it's following your calling is going to be uncomfortable i would dare to, i think you said i dare to say it's never going to be comfortable um and i'm thinking back on what i would say is my journey of following my calling and my gut reaction is to say no i mean it's been so joyful mm -hmm. but i think now in reflecting a little bit i <laughs> i i think that I'm experiencing something that you described you're experiencing as well, that the Lord has provided contentment beyond what the world can provide in some yeah. ways. And he's been so faithful that I sometimes just can't think, can't remember. It's not the first thing on my mind, all the things that have been such a rub, so horrible. <laughs> or extremely disappointing that I guess we're just able to rejoice in this moment together where we're both in places where it's like, wow, I mean, I would not rather be any other place, but there's been so many times where it has been extremely uncomfortable, but. Um, and I think we need to be careful to never equate uh, comfort with joy. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like the one like thing of just like uh, your joy is not to be found in this situations are comfortable. Mm. Um, you joy because I am joyful. I am joyful for where I'm at, but it's brutal. It's <laughs> you brutal. know, <laughs> uh, it is at the same time a super brutal, you know, season. And but that's 
also I signed up. I mean, like, if you, like, the Lord didn't say, like, oh, go to the Middle East. I was like, oh, this is going to be so much fun, like, all the time. Like, no, I was there when, you know, when the war broke out, and that was kind of where my expectations were set. Like, that's how kind of life would be like. And so, um, yeah, but there's joy in that. And I think ultimately he's created, like, I don't, the things of the Lord will bring us most joy. I think that's just objective truth. Yeah. So even if it, it is hard, it, there will there will be joy at the end of it. Yeah. I hear that. I would love to hear your wisdom on what you would want to share with people listening on how you would encourage them to find their calling and, and follow it. So we talked. I think you have this statement where you're like, for there to be a calling there has to be a caller mm-hmm. um you have to know the caller so you need to read the word <laughs> like and that seems like the most blunt thing you like, gotta read one, it. like i remember i think there was one question you had asked uh, like in in preparing for this of like what like podcasts or books that you would recommend and i legitimately would not recommend anything except like read scripture because i think <laughs> I, I think like so legit Bindu. like but it's like I um books are great I love books we all love books um but yeah like we have the living word of God we have every answer we would possibly need to navigate this life in that book um it does not get old and the gospel does not get old in the words that Christ has to share and what the prophets were revealed to in the Old Testament do not get old um and the minute you think they get old, then you are mistaken and you have not read it um, again. And so I think that's, we have to know the caller. And so we have to read the scripture and we have to know him through that. And so um, I think that would be the first place I would start if you're trying to figure out what he called you to, which then we can give, you know, the obvious answer. Like, what are you called to? And it's like, I'm a child of God. Oh. <laughs> like. That's the answer that drove me flipping nuts in college, especially whenever I was trying to like discover what's my identity. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, you're oh my God. God, daughter, guys, yeah. one of them. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a princess. <laughs> I'm a princess of the king. Um, like, which is like, I guess true, but like, I don't know. Um, I just am very like, I just can't think like that (laughs) but um those are I guess those are true but uh we we are humans that want more like uh matter of fact answers which is totally valid and so um I think it's also seeing where he has placed you in this very current moment and recognizing that um is uh, of purpose and so, and then just seeing, are you being stewards of what he has given you in front? Like, if you're like, oh, like, I want to be president of a company and doing all of these crazy things. And it's like, cool. Are you being stewards of the people around you? Like, even if you're in a low level position, because if you're not, then like, you can't be stewards of like the three people that your coworkers and how are you going to be stewards of like 
the people that you are supposed to be leading. And so I think it's just recognizing every season we have, no matter whether it be a season of a job we want to be doing or not, like there are things to steward in this season and there's people to love deeply in that season. And I think, I think there's such a significance when we recognize in Luke, you know, we have one chapter that talks about Christ's childhood. Um, but ultimately he was very much, he was on scenes for like 30 plus years. And so we talk about, you know, his 30 to, 30 to 36, like the debate of like, what, how old was he? But like, we talk about those three years of his ministry, but there was like 30 years of training and stewardship of scripture. Like he studied scripture. He learned how to use his hands and be a good carpenter. Like he was a steward of what the Lord had given him for 30 years before he went out and, you know, like shook the whole world with some pretty dramatic statements. Um, and so I think being stewards of the season he's given us, no matter it being glamorous or not. Wow. Pretty that, that's reminding me of one of your top five advice things that you mentioned, which has been to like, you just hopping over, bopping over to the, the Middle East as a 21-year-old. Like, what? You're not going to help. Go get a skill and then go back. Yeah. Um, not to say, I, I'm not going to speak on the account of Jesus, of what he needed or did not need. But certainly, as a mere mortal, I, I'm appreciating through your story um, the theme of appreciating the training and equipping um, uh opportunities that come to us every day every season and to use those meaningfully yeah. and see that they were given to you for a purpose according to God's graciousness that we may know him that's one of my favorite passages in Acts chapter 17 he does it all so that we may know him and that we may reach out to him though he is not far off that he is never far off He's always there. Like you were speaking about feelings being an enemy to, I don't feel God. Well, he's with you always. Yeah. Uh, don't be deceived. So Bindu, I could keep on talking to you forever. Thank you so, so much for spending a precious day off uh, sharing your story. I'm, as I have been from the beginning, have been so bolstered by your faithfulness. Um, and I am unspeakably thankful for that so thank you thank you thank you and kelsey i'm just thankful for you and um just thankful that you've been obedient to this calling in your life and that you um stepped out of a very comfortable situation to follow the lord in this and like i've encouraged many of us to consider these things and so very thankful for you